Today we're going to continue in our sermon series called The Sermon That Turned the World Upside Down. As I prepared for this message this week, <clears throat> I realized how heavy this message was. Um, when you're, It's a good thing when people are sitting at the kitchen table and the back two tables and we still got to bring chairs out. Thank you, Father. Um, as I prepared this message, I felt the weight of it this week. Um, now I want to just read this scripture and then we'll dive in. If you guys could turn with me to Matthew 5, I'm going to read verses 10 and 11 to you. <clears throat> Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you start following Jesus, you quickly realize that everyone doesn't agree with you. They don't agree with who you say Jesus is as Savior, as God. They don't agree with... How you live, you say certain things are righteous and certain things are sin. They don't agree with certain decisions you make. If you follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. People will revile you. People will talk about you. It just comes with the territory because we are not greater than our master. God's own son came to this earth and they crucified him. They brutally murdered him. Why would they not persecute all those who followed in his footsteps? I know many of us have been watching the news, and I hope you're horrified and feel the weight of what's going on in northern Iraq right now. Men, women, and children driven out of their homes, killed, beheaded, heads put on stakes, all because they believe in Jesus and they follow Jesus, and they made a choice to put their faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I saw the most horrible image I've ever seen in my life, and I made myself see the image so I could feel the weight of it. Because, you know, living in our Western world, where our problems are much different, sometimes we forget there's actually people who are dying for their faith around the world. Right? I saw a little girl, a picture on a Catholic website, who was four to six years old, who was beheaded in the streets. Because her family believed in Jesus Christ. And I think about the weight of that because I'm a parent, right? And I think about people coming towards me, want to kill me, want to kill my babies, right? My little treasures. And they say, you renounce your faith in Jesus now or we're going to kill your whole family. And I think that that family made the decision that Christ was more valuable to them than the suffering that they would have to go through. And I asked myself, could I make that decision? Could I be murdered and watch my children murdered because of Christ? But the Word of God says, blessed are those who make that decision. Blessed. How can I look at the situation and say they're blessed? Because we don't look at just this life, we look at eternity. And their greatness in eternity will far surpass the suffering and the sacrifice they made here on earth. Their reward in heaven will be great. Do you guys hear me? 
That's the only way we can say things like that and feel the weight of that. Because if I don't have faith, if I don't believe Jesus is who he says he is, if I don't believe his words are true and I should follow him and they're worth suffering for, I never can make decisions like that. That is heavy. I watched a woman who was driven from her home. She was given 24 hours. Get out of your house, denounce Christ, or convert to Islam, or we're going to kill you. Her and her family took off. She had nothing. As they interviewed her, she said, Jesus told us. She's weeping. You know, imagine someone comes in and takes everything away from you. One day, everything you work for, your house, your memories, everything. And she was weeping. And she said, Jesus told us this was going to happen. That he was sending us out like sheep among wolves. And let me tell you right now, there's a lot of wolves out there. And they look different in every culture. Sometimes the wolves wear sheep's clothing. Because the word persecution in the Greek means to pursue and track down. And even in our culture where there's more of an identity persecution, it's more you look stupid and be called foolish and ostracized. There's people who will pursue you and track you down and try to intimidate you so you won't say what you believe and live according to what you believe. But the Bible says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for their reward is great in heaven. So let's start with the persecution of Jesus. Because this needs to be at the forefront, especially when people try to present the gospel in ways where there's no suffering and there's only comfort and it's only for your earthly good. I'm always in awe and amazed at this reality. That a perfect God, who is perfectly loving, who is perfectly holy, created us, right? We sinned and rebelled against him, and we still do in our hearts, in our actions. This God, because of mercy and because of grace, sends his own son, perfect, sinless, more loving than you and me could ever be. Jesus, the author of love. He comes to earth. He's born into creation. How do we respond to him? This should blow our minds. Because remember I talked about our hearts aren't as good as we think they are? You would think that we'd be having celebrations in the street, right? We'd be having parades, that we'd be bowing down, that we'd be worshiping, that we'd be so thankful to God that he sent his son to us on earth. What did we do to him? We killed him. We killed him. Perfect, sinless. We killed him. And the amazing part of that is We killed him because he was telling us stuff that was for our own good. Like Jesus came to earth not to condemn the world, but to save it. And we killed him because he exposed our darkness and because who he said he was. Why did they kill Christ? Why did they kill Jesus? Did anyone ever ask himself that question? They killed him because who he said he was, his identity, and because of the righteous way in which He lived. Jesus went to the cross and they murdered him because he said he was God. Does everyone realize that? They didn't murder him because, man, he was a good moral teacher. What a great philosopher. He helps me. I'm like, I don't want to get too nasty. They killed Jesus because he said he was God. And they said it was blasphemous. And they put him on a cross, and they brutally murdered him, and flogged him, and they killed him. So first, for identity, and second, because of the righteous way in which he lived. The way Jesus lived bothered people because it exposed their their darkness. 
Who were, were the most bothered by Jesus? Let me ask you the question. Who were the most bothered by Jesus? The Pharisees, the religious leaders. Why were they bothered by Jesus? Because he exposed their sin. He exposed it. He not only exposed their sin, he said, when you do stuff, don't do stuff like them. When you give to the poor, don't give to the poor like them so everyone can see you. He says, when you pray, don't pray like them, like everyone can see you. See you. When you come into a place, don't look for that throne in front of everyone so everyone can worship and devote you like the religious leaders do. Pick the seat in the back. You're going to rouse some people up when you start preaching like that. His perfect righteousness, his sinlessness got under their skin. And because they were in darkness, they didn't want to be exposed by the light, so they wanted to put that light out. It would be no different for you and me and for everyone else who follows Jesus. Do you guys hear me? Why did Jesus endure it? Do you ever ask yourself, because if God just never offered a way of salvation, if God's own son never came to be crucified and offered a way of redemption, you know that God would still be perfectly loving and perfectly just? Does anyone ever get mad at a judge when he sentenced someone to jail for a crime they did commit? No, because they committed the crime. They should be sentenced. God didn't have to save us. But still, a loving God comes and offers a way of salvation and atonement, and, and he pardons us through the gospel. That's amazing what happened. Now, he did it for his love, but he also did it for his glory. Because Jesus is the most blessed person as God in all of eternity and will be. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you understand me? His suffering, his persecution, his death led to his glory. He had to look at this life as fully God and fully man and say, I'm willing to suffer because of future blessing and future glory. It says he did it for the joy that was set before him. And you've got to see that by faith. You know how we rejoice in some of our heroes, right? They pale in comparison to the hero of the universe, to the savior of the universe. Every knee will bow and worship forever. Jesus as the center. And that glory will be bestowed on God the Son by God the Father because he died on our behalf. Has anyone noticed as you read through the Bible there's a lot of suffering? There's a lot of persecution. And if you look closely, you'll see that people didn't like the people of God. Right? So God creates the earth. Man sins. He calls a covenant people through Abraham, right? This people, his own people, continue to sin against him. What does he do? He sends prophets. You guys heard of prophets like Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Amos. Like, you can keep going on. He sends these dudes and says, go tell everyone to repent so I can accept them back. Have you ever been to tell somebody to try to repent for their sin? Did you have a good time? Right? These dudes have to go and they have to yell to a whole nation, repent, you're in idolatry. And guess what their response was? They beat these dudes down. You don't tell me how to live. We will kill you. We will intimidate you. And we will drive you out. Even the first, when we see Adam and Eve, we see them sin, then they have two sons, Cain and Abel. What made Cain kill Abel? Abel's righteousness. He didn't like that the righteous life and the righteous actions of Abel were more favorable towards God, so he took Abel out. We don't like when people tell us what's right and what's wrong. 
That's the first sin of man, right? We want the knowledge of what's good and evil. Don't you tell us what's good and evil. We're the judge, not God. So these prophets are sent to these nations to cry out, repent. So let's start with Jeremiah. You know what Jeremiah's nickname was because it said in the text, as they did to the Old Testament prophets? The weeping prophet. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want a nickname like the weeping pastor. Right? That's not something I'm going for here. I can't wait. I'm living my whole life. I hope they call me the crying pastor. That's not what I'm going for. Jeremiah was called as a young man, very young, roughly, I think, 12 years old or so, to profess the word of God to a nation that does not want to hear him. This brother went through some adversity to the point that he say he didn't curse the day I was born. That's how much he suffered. He said, curse the day I was born. He is arguably the most persecuted prophet in the Old Testament. They stoned him. They beat him. The dude was like, it got to the point where he says, I don't want to preach this message anymore to these people. But he said, it's like fire in my bones. I have to preach it. God made him preach it, the message. And he suffered. It was a message of redemption and salvation. Then you have Isaiah, who mostly would seem like he's a better life of a prophet, right? He's proclaiming his name needs Jehovah's salvation. He's proclaiming the truth to people who are in idolatry and sin and don't want to turn away. Guess what ancient history tells us that happened to Isaiah? Guess how they treated him? Guess how they loved on him? Wooden saw. Dead. I say this for all you guys to feel the weight, that those who follow Jesus and those who go after God will be persecuted for righteousness. Because we see a switch in the text. Jesus says, blessed are those like it's distance. He's preaching to people. Then he goes, blessed are you. And I can imagine the crowd right then, right? Hold on, I thought that was only happening back then. I thought you were here to save us. I thought you were here so we wouldn't have to suffer anymore. He says, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness, when you suffer on my account. Do you guys realize that you will be persecuted if you follow Jesus, even in this Western culture? Now, it's different. We probably won't get stoned. I haven't seen a stoning yet. You probably won't get physically harmed. But they will come against your reputation and your identity and your pride, and they will drive it into the ground. Drive it, they will call you a fool. You know when you become that guy? You know that guy that's always talking about Jesus? You know that guy that's trying to live too holy? You know that guy? I used to know that guy until I became that guy. And I was like, don't know, I'm that guy. All of a sudden, I got in the zone, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Here they, here they see me coming. You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, you become that guy that's an idiot. Here comes that idiot, that religious brother. Oh, man, I can't swear around him. Like, I, I went from being what I thought was a cool brother. I knew how to play the role. I knew how to do what I do. So people were pleased, and they exalted me. All of a sudden, I became that guy. You will be persecuted. You cannot fit in in certain ways with the world when you are following Jesus because of the claim you're making about God and because of the righteousness you're trying to live by. I'm talking, man, I tried to live like a Puritan when I first got saved, man. I might even take it too far, man. I wouldn't watch TV for a year. That's, there's nothing in the Bible says you can't watch TV. I took it too far. I apologize. I was trying to live like a Puritan, man. And finally, you know when you're younger and a girl breaks your heart and you feel like the world ends? That happened to me, and I was like, I don't even want to live anymore. I don't want to hear a slow jam no more. 
I don't want to live. Like, I got to that point, I was broken. Like, I didn't even want to live. I didn't want to look at people. I was just self-pity party, you know? And finally, after years of living like a Puritan, my buddies finally got to me and said, from the church, they were like, there's this place in Rhode Island. They serve you under 21. Let's do this. And I said, I'm so broken. God didn't give me love. I'm with you. And we drove to Rhode Island. Get in Rhode Island. I didn't do any heinous sin, but I sinned. A few Long Island diced teas that I shouldn't have been drinking. Maybe one too many. A a few moves on the dance floor I shouldn't have been doing. You know what I mean? Just in a place that I shouldn't have been. I felt so guilty, right? Because I'm telling you, I'm living like a Puritan. The next day I felt so guilty. And I said to my buddy, I felt so guilty. I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been being like that. I shouldn't have been getting drinking excessively. I shouldn't have been on that dance floor making doing moves I shouldn't be doing. And that dude looked at me and he said, Oh, it was so such a relief to me when you did that. And I realized that my righteousness, the way I was living, not my I'm not perfect, I know that, but the way I was trying to live holy made him uncomfortable in the way he was living. And he actually reveled in the fact that I felt like that. And I saw a part of our hearts as humanity that is so real that when other people are trying to live righteous, it bothers us if we want to stay in our sin. And when you start to live righteous for God, it's going to bother people around you who want to stay in this sin and in the darkness. It's just a reality. I'm not saying you're better than them. I'm not saying any of that. No one's better than anyone. We're all sinners. There's only one perfect one, Jesus. But when Jesus changes your heart, you hunger for righteousness. You want to live differently by his grace. You can't earn your salvation, but you want to live differently for the glory of God. That's something that God the Holy Spirit does inside of you. And when you do that, people who don't want to do that, that's going to make them uncomfortable. I'm in the world of contractors. Try to say you're paying your taxes as a Christian around guys who are Christians who don't want to pay their taxes. I don't know where they're getting the doctrine from. It must be post-Bible. But, you know, they, they tell you truths, you know, once again, mafioso style. Listen, you hold that money. They use that for you and your family. But <laughs> Jesus said, give Caesar what is Caesar's. Huh? Try that. Try doing something righteous, like paying your taxes and be honorable for God and the government. That will make some brothers uncomfortable, right? Because they say, what's he trying to say? I'm doing something wrong? Right? Try to live righteously. You're going to bother people around you. This is the thing I run into the most as a pastor. And it's heavy because some mornings I wake up because I am naturally a people pleaser. So I want to say stuff that makes people happy. I want to make st- say stuff that makes them like me. That's my sinful tendency, right? Just say what makes people like me. I don't want to cause any waves. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to do that. In my profession... Your whole life is saying things that rock the boat. Like, a lot of preachers try to take things out. Well, let's say this. This is going to keep those ten people, and we'll keep them. You can't. Every text I come to is heavy. I'm like, I got a week off. There's something that just says God's love, and fl- he's love, and he's fluffy, and all that stuff. I can preach that this week. Everyone's going to be happy. As I look through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus came heavy, and he came strong, and he came at the heart, and he called us to holiness. He raised the bar. So this is what I run into. People say, Do you believe that Jesus is the only way to God, the only way to salvation? Now, as a preacher, as a follower of Jesus, as a preacher of the Bible, Jesus was a preacher of the Bible, can I say to anyone, yeah, there are other roads to heaven. If I say that, I'm going against the Savior I follow. 
guys understand me? Sometimes people look at the pastors like they're the authority. I'm no authority. Jesus is authority. I just try to preach what Jesus said. And then people get mad at you. What you trying to say? I'm just trying to say what Jesus said. Jesus said there is no other way to God but through himself, through his death and resurrection. He said no other way. That's why they crucified him because he was God. There's no other path. I don't care how sentimental I get. I don't care how much I think I'm more loving than God. I don't care how many people I like who don't believe. I love people who don't believe. I can't change the truth. And I have to be willing to be persecuted for it. People look at me like I have ten heads and and, and get the brass knuckles set up in the pocket when I say that. I'm telling you right now. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we truly love God and people, we will proclaim hard truths and be willing to be persecuted because we don't care what they think about us. We care about their salvation. Do you guys hear that? We love ourselves more when we care that we'll get persecuted so we don't do it. They crucified our Savior. The next one I always get, man, this one's heavy, man. They're going to hang me up on the Wakefield Lake for this one. Sexual holiness. Oh my goodness, people want to kill me. I'm straight up having to get serious. Like, I'm, I'm really like, go tell a brother he's not supposed to have sex till he gets married. Look at the look he gives you. This brother's like, what are you trying to say, dog? Right? I'm telling you, dudes are just straight. I mean, we, <laughs> you know, different Bible studies I've been at. The most, Questions you'll ever be asked is when you talk about sexual holiness, do that. There's like a line of 15 dudes after just waiting like this. I'm going to talk to the pastor, you know what I mean? So they walk out like, so you're trying to say that, like, and I'm like, yes, yes, I'm not trying to say. We're Christians, we follow Jesus. That's what he said. I didn't come up with this stuff. I didn't know. Man, I'm going to make some rules that gets everyone upset in here. No, Jesus taught these things. And you know what people say when I teach that? He's living so old school. Those are old things. Like, he's like, that was in the culture back then. And I look like that guy again. I'm that guy. I gotta walk away every conversation. I'm that guy. Here we go. I'm the fool. I'm the idiot. I'm taking it too far. I'm the fanatic. Like, I gotta be that guy again. Always getting persecuted for that. But you understand, if you follow Jesus, if you believe he is who he says he is, the only savior of the world, God's own son who died for our sins, you will get persecuted for that because that's going to step on people's toes because you're making a claim. If you're claiming Jesus is the only way, what's happening? You're saying other ways aren't the way. People get riled up over that, right? When we make a statement for what is right, There's a bunch of things that are wrong. Without saying it, we're saying that's wrong. When we say this is how you live righteously, everyone who's living unrighteously, they want to track you down, they want to pursue you, and they're going to persecute you. But I encourage you to consider yourself fortunate that you can suffer with Jesus for these things. Fortunate. Like, don't be like, why do I have to go through this? Be like, it is an honor to suffer with Jesus. It's an honor to suffer like my Savior. Some of the guys that I, I um, really look up to the most are veterans. I, I just have such, they have so much honor. I just really look up, up to them and I hold them in high regard because they were willing to sacrifice presently for future things. Like my grandfather, he was at BC, he was an intelligent guy, you know, just a young, angry Irishman in BC. 
and he got drafted. So his whole life changed. He ended up getting the Purple Heart because he got shot in the head. Imagine that shift in life. Like, I'm going to college. I'm laying the foundation. I'm doing this. He gets the Purple Heart for getting shot in the head. He lived. But it took his whole life in a different direction. That wasn't bad, but he would have had other avenues open if he didn't make that sacrifice. And I think there's a man who said, I'm going to presently suffer for the future and for the freedom of our country. I was doing work at a house in Winchester, and there was this guy, he could barely walk. He was in the late 80s or early 90s, barely walk. And it was back when a Marine had died a couple years ago, and when they were doing a procession through the streets. And um, I saw this guy who could barely walk. He's putting all, all these gears. You know these old school vets, right? They still got the gear perfectly folded. There's not a wrinkle in it. And he put on all his gear. And he said he, his son had to help him out to the corner. And he sat on that corner. And he sat in the seat. He had a flag. He had a, a, a huge flag and just held that flag on the corner. And then when the, the casket came by, he stood up in honor, right? And it was one of the most beautiful things I ever saw. I realized that these men were different type of men. They were men who were willing to sacrifice for others and for the future. And these are the kind of men that make up the kingdom of heaven. People who are willing to sacrifice here on earth and suffer here on earth for a future blessing and for the future blessing of others. Imagine if Isaiah was a coward and he never preached salvation. Or if Moses was a coward and he never confronted Pharaoh. Or John the Baptist, because he knew he was going to be headed, never called people to repent. If these men did not act on these things, there would be no church today. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is not a kingdom for cowards. It's not. It's a kingdom of men who and women who are made bold by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you one thing. We ain't bold out the gate. I was petrified that I had to declare my faith to others. Petrified. They used to say, he's been touched by an angel. They used to mess with me, my boys. I'd be like, I gotta, like, I remember those conversations, man. Like, I gotta sit and tell you something. Everyone's like, what's he gotta tell me? What is he talking about? And I'm gonna sit at the table and saying, I'm following Jesus now. I can't do that anymore. I'm not going that route, and I can't be around it because I know my own heart, and I'll fall into sin again. Guess what the response was? There were a lot of different responses. I was that guy. You guys know what I mean? You know exactly what I mean. What I'm saying to you, the kingdom of heaven is built on people. If you're a Christian, we can't just look at the present because then we won't suffer. If we only live for the moment, we won't suffer because we'll say this is about me. But if we live for future glory, we will allow ourselves to go through persecution. We will allow ourselves to go through persecution. You can't live for just the treasures and the exaltation of man in this world because you will have no reward with God in heaven. But if you're willing to suffer and be persecuted for Christ on his account and for his righteousness of following him, your blessing and your reward will be great in heaven. Now, an important part in the application part of this is you've got to believe. And if you look at Hebrew, Hebrews 11 and you see the heroes of the faith, it says, by faith, they endured. By faith. They didn't denounce their faith when they were thrown into animals, right? Did you guys realize with the Christian, they'd throw them right in, into the arena and they'd be eaten? you got to believe that what you have put your faith in is true or you're not letting anyone execute you. They had faith, so they were willing to get stoned. 
Abraham had faith, so he was willing to leave his land. Moses had faith, so he went before Pharaoh. Elijah had faith, so he went before all the idolaters. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you don't truly believe what you believe, you ain't going to endure suffering. Because you're going to say, man, I'm kind of, I believe 25%, but don't make me suffer, man. I ain't suffering, dog. You guys hear me? But when you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he said these words, you will suffer. People will revile you, and you'll say, you know what? This life is passing away. My reputation doesn't mean anything. I'll be with God one day in paradise, and my reward is great in heaven. You'll be willing to endure if you believe. Secondly, do some people have trouble witnessing other people about their faith because they're afraid? Has anyone run into this? Welcome to the biggest coward of that when I first started following Jesus. You know when you're so afraid of doing that, you just blurt stuff out? <laughs> you're a sinner! Did you work through that, dog? Did you think about that at the house? Like, was that the best approach? I was just such a coward, and I remember praying to God and saying, God, you know that I'm a people pleaser. I can't be telling people about my faith, and I can't be doing that. I have good news for you. I don't fear that at all anymore. That's not because Joey is strong. That's because God is strong. And that's because when we come to God and say, you know what, I'm a coward, Father, and you know me and you know my heart and you see I'm a coward, I need you to make me strong. You look back in years and you say, I don't fear what any man has to say about my Savior and my God. I'm telling you right now, I do not. I do not care. I do not care. Let them say what they will about me. They said what they will about Jesus. And there's still people here in this world who think Jesus was a fool. I saw someone post the other day, how could you follow Jesus? He was so weak. He was so weak. Look at him. They killed him. They murdered him. He was a donkey. You know, in the early church era, people used to put a picture of the donkey on the cross because they say, Jesus is the donkey. Because he was saying, such a fool. Back in the day, if you were a donkey, that meant you were real foolish. <laughs> Johnny Infinite. Do you guys hear what I'm saying there? Be willing that God can make you strong even if you're a coward now. You might start out as a coward and you might become tremendously bold. What happened with Peter? What happened with Peter? Peter denied Jesus three times. What happened on the day of his death? He said, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Crucify me upside down. He can make cowards into the courageous. And he can do that. And finally, please be praying for what's going on in this world with persecution. Please be praying for all these families in northern Iraq. Please be praying for these children who are losing their lives and these husbands and wives. Please be praying that there's help over there. Pray for your brothers, pray for your sisters, and help in any way you can. Amen?